Luke 17, 11 through 19. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice and fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So is the reading of God's word. You can be seated. One of the things that we hope for is that God can come before us. And it is not my words, but his words. And as we hear the scriptures read to us, that they'll resonate. And we hope that God will do in your heart and mind what needs to be done. Last week, it was amazing when Rob preached the sermon and a lady just came up. And you go, what is God doing? that all of a sudden people just walk up on stage. Uh, the security didn't know whether, what do we do? You know, should we go stop her or invite her? But they did the right thing and God got to pray, got to move in her life. So I was, a, I grew up here. So David, when I'm seeing this three week old baby getting baptized, which is awesome. I was four years old. My mom just told me a little while ago, actually Dr. Kennedy, uh, I was baptized right here. And I go, well, that was great. That would have been cool to know. Uh, why did I have to wait till I was over 50 to find that out? But I was actually baptized here. And I was raised in this church, and we didn't have altar calls. I know many of you have gone and seen an altar call or an invitation, whatever you want to call it, in different denominations. We didn't have them. So I knew about them. I mean, we'd been to Billy Graham crusades and we'd seen everybody go forward. You've seen opportunities like that. But for me, I didn't experience it often. I got back from college and I don't know what happened. Maybe I had too much fun in college and had this guilt. And well, am I really a Christian? Because it didn't go well in college. And I came back on break. And when I got back on break, I went with a friend to First Baptist Fort Lauderdale. And they had an invitation and I could feel, do you ever feel this when God is talking to you? And you just know he's looking right at you and he's piercing your heart. And I'm listening to this going, what is going on, God? And God is calling me to come forward. Now, I'm a believer. I'm going, I don't even know what I'm coming forward to. I don't see this courage. But your hands are gripping the pulpit. And then he says, it's that time, come forward, show before men what your profession is. And I came forward and I remember people waiting down. But when I turned around, I noticed that there was not anybody but me and a couple other people. The call had gone to everybody, but only a few respond, right? I want you to hear that. There's a general call that God gives to all men. You can go all over the world and you'll see God's movement, his hand. You can see it in Africa. It is People are getting saved in droves. You can go to China and see it. People are being ushered into the kingdom in massive amounts of people. There are more Christians in Africa than there are people in the United States. That's mind boggling. There was only 3 million at one point. Now there's 300 million people. You think of what's happened in China. You think of what's happened in India. God's spirit is on, he is calling 
all kinds of people to him. What's interesting about this passage, if you look at verse 12, it says this, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Jesus is traveling from basically Galilee to Samaria and ultimately to Jerusalem. What's unique about that is a lot of Jewish people would not go that route. They would go around. Jesus goes right in the heart of the land where people don't like them. They don't like the Samaritans. They actually, the Jewish people despise them. But as he's walking in, and this village is right there, they notice who he is, the 10 lepers. One of them happens to be a Samaritan. So they're sitting at Galilee, right next to Samaria, and they recognize Jesus coming because they call out his name. Jesus walks through there and he says this, and lifted up their voices, they yelled out to him, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. How did they know him? They knew him because he'd already done miracles in Samaria. He'd already performed miracles. His name had got out. The blind could see, the lame could walk, the deaf could hear, and he went to people like the Samaritan woman at the well. These 10 lepers' only hope was Jesus. They were Jewish and they were a Samaritan, but their only hope was Jesus. What's amazing about this is they call him by name. And what does he say to them? He says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself where? To the priest. Why? In Leviticus, how did you know that you were actually cleansed? If you had leprosy, you had to go to the priest for eight ceremonial days of cleansing. Then they would identify you as clean. But what's interesting is Jesus says to go to the priest before he's actually healed him. What do they do? The verse says, and as they went, they were healed. In EE, it talks about three types of faith. It talks about temporal faith, which is a faith when you're in that need when you're desperate, that you call on God. We've all done that. If you're taking a test and you haven't prepared, what do you do? Jesus, bail me out. It's trouble. I do that. The sermon, I go, Lord, just make sure I get through it. We pray for those temporary moments, don't we? When we can't pay the bills, when things aren't going right, that's when we reach out to God. That's a pretty common practice. The lepers, what do they do? I need to be healed. I need my skin to be taken care of. I need to get back into culture. Lord, help me. And guess what? They have enough faith to believe in that moment. Like they said, there's no atheist in a foxhole. The same thing with the, right now we see with these lepers. They're calling out, but it's a temporal. They have a head knowledge, don't they? They know who Jesus is. They've seen his miracles. They know exactly who he is. But that's not enough. What is saving faith? It says this in verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praised God with a loud voice and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. This is awesome. What does he do? When he realizes he's healed, he looks down He turns around, because they're all going to Jerusalem. Jesus is right near Galilee. He turns around and goes, I'm not not going with them anymore. I'm going to him. 
See, the interesting thing is he couldn't go to the priest because he was a Samaritan. He would not have been ever seen as clean. The only way he could be clean is because he had Jesus, the true priest, that says he's clean. His only hope was there. The other nine went and left. Saving faith brings us to our knees. Uh, I was looking at a recent uh, research, and it said that most Americans, which is optimistic, I didn't know this, that about six out of ten Americans believe that they have a personal commitment to Christ. But the irony is, the more money you have, the stats go down. If you're rich, you're less likely to believe. If you're white, you're less likely to believe. That's scary for us, because there's a lot of comfortable people here. There's a lot of comfortable people that don't really need Christ. All their life's taken care of. All their resources are taken care of. They're provided for. That scares me when we're in the group. If you look in the Bible, what do you see? The people that repent or look like what? They're always outsiders. Jesus seems to minister to who? The sick. So one of the things I was thinking as I'm reading this, I'm going, if most Americans think they're Christian, are they? I don't know. How many people are truly saved? Read verse 18. He says this, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Faith that is skin deep. All we care about, some people all they care about is just their immediate needs. Dr. Kennedy used to say something that I think is a very powerful statement. He said, the hardest part about getting a person saved is getting them lost. That is so true. We are so proud, people. I am so proud. We all have pride running through us. Uh, when I was first preaching, and I don't do it often anymore, but when I first started preaching, the story really resonated with me. There was a young preacher. It was his first time ever preaching, and he had studied everything he could study. This is what young preachers do. They take like 80 hours to prepare a message. They put everything they've ever studied into one sermon. From Genesis to Revelation, they're going to cover it all. And this guy's thinking, man, I got it nailed. I'm going to do so good. I know everything there is to know about everything. And he gets up in the pulpit and he walks up and it's a pulpit like this. He walks up. He's like a peacock. He's feeling great. And then as the sermon's going along and I've been here a thousand times, it starts falling apart. And you're going, oh, where am I going? What am I doing? And you can see him. He starts to slunch, slunch over and he's feeling terrible about his message. Finally, he's done. He walks down to the pit of shame, the first row. He's had a terrible sermon. He knows it didn't resonate with anybody. And there's an older gentleman, very experienced, looks at him and says, if you would have gone up the way you came down, you would have came down the way you went up. God's economy is in the reverse. We have to humble ourselves. We get a, have to get on our knees. But the best part of the story is what does he do? He says, rise and get up. Jesus doesn't leave you there. I really do think there's two types of people in the world. 
Ronald Reagan's the one that told this story, so I'm going to steal it from him because I love Ronald Reagan. But I'll give him credit. There was two boys. They were twins. These two boys were exactly opposite other than the way they looked. One was a complete optimist. Everything was great. If he fell down, he said, there must be a reason that I fell down. Then there was a pessimist, his other son. No matter what happened, if the sky was blue, he'd find the gray cloud. You know that type of person? Hope you're not that type of person because this will be a convicting sermon. No, if you're that type of person, but you could see the one gray cloud. So they bring the boys to a psychiatrist and when they get there, he says, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna put all these toys in one room and we're gonna take that pessimistic child, let him play with the toys and he's gonna get all better. So he gets in there and only takes one minute, he comes back out and they said, what happened? He says, well, I know I'm gonna break all the toys. He says, I just know I'm gonna destroy him. Then the other boy, they said, well, we've gotta get him a little bit of perspective. The world's not easy. So they fill the room up with manure, just all the way to the top. The boy sees it and he runs in right, right into the middle of it, jumps in, takes his hands and starts digging around and they're stopping. They're, what are you doing? He said, with this much manure, there must be a pony somewhere. And I think there's two types of people. There's some people that no matter what they have, it ain't enough. They're going to break it. You can't make them happy because it's things. That is skin deep faith, guys. There's others that have been transformed by the gospel. They've been brought to their knees. They've been humbled. And it doesn't matter what they've gone through, the manure, the difficulties, the challenges, it brings them to the place where they need to be. God uses those challenges to bring us to faith. I think about those lepers and I think in their life, how many people got healed of leprosy? Nobody. These guys are walking around going, what hope do I have? And God uses this circumstance of leprosy physically as well as them being ostracized to bring them where? To a step of faith, a call. But where does he bring the Samaritan? He brings the Samaritan to a place of surrender. I look at what's going on in Cuba right now. I haven't been involved in a revival in America. I have not. I remember when this church had 10,000 people come in, there was 400 people in EE. That is as close to a revival in America as I know about. But I do know when I went to Cuba, there's a passion and a fervor for the Lord that I've not seen here in a long time. I feel almost ashamed to go and say, I'm going to teach you about your faith. It's embarrassing. I'm going, I got it so easy and comfortable. They are so happy with such little. They're so thankful. And you know what? God's going to usher in a revival because they don't need anything. They have everything in Christ. They take it seriously about the gospel. I think one of the dangers of being comfortable like we are is sometimes we lose the very fact of what we need in our lives. I pray for our congregation. I pray for my own heart that we don't become people like the other 10 lepers that said, once my nine lepers, once my needs fulfilled, 
I don't need you, Jesus. That's terrifying. But also, for those that have never put their faith in Christ, this is an opportunity today. Rob made a call last week that I thought was very powerful. But I also think that God works in different ways to call people. I really love the fact that he's come to give us life and he's come to give it in the full. When you pray to receive Christ, your life begins now. It's not about just eternity. It is about a better life lived now. For those that are believers, I want you to hear this. We have an opportunity to go and praise his name. And how often do we do it publicly? So I'm calling you to think, where am I engaged in my community where I can get up and stand up and praise? The thing I love about the Samaritan, he only had 10 friends or nine other friends. Kind of. What does he do? The minute he gets saved, he leaves his friends and says, I will make a joyful noise and I'll praise the Lord publicly. And he screams down the street and then goes and lays his face down at his feet. Our church has done amazing things, and God is calling us to continue to follow him. But it's about Christ, not about us. I'm going to finish with three last things. They're just, I'm just going to read them to you. The Heidelberg Catechism says this. How many things we need to know in order to live and die in the comfort of Christ? Now and eternity. He said these are the three things in the Heidelberg Catechism. It says, number one, the greatness of of our sin and misery. The first thing we gotta know is the depth of our sin. The second thing, how I am redeemed from all my sins in misery. No matter how bad you are, his grace is more sufficient. Those that have experienced a lot of healing understand his grace. The last is, third, how I am thankful to God for such redemption. Are you thankful? Are you like the one boy it says, I don't have enough. Are you like the other boy that says, where's the pony? I hope we understand that that second position only comes by knowing who Christ is and what he's done for us. Let us be a thankful people and also depend on a good God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're an amazing God that loves us in spite of what we look like and who we are and what we've done. Lord, um, we are enemies of you at our core and you then call us, you cleanse us and then finally you save us. I praise you for this church and what it's meant in our community. We praise you for the opportunities to see the gospel extended to all the kingdom. We ask today that we will be people that are committed and love you more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.